0: 2021, this is a year for our church of strength, hope, joy, and courage. Say that. Strength, hope, joy, and courage. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three abide. These three are durable. These three are going to be shown up in heaven. Gifts will cease and other things will change, but these are non-negotiables. These are core uh, essentials. Faith, hope, and love. These three faith, hope, and love. Say faith, hope, and love. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And in Galatians, it says that faith works through love. Galatians chapter five, verse six. So these things are not synonymous, but they're definitely uh, all combined together. Faith hope, and love. Say faith hope and love. faith, hope, and love. And it says in 1 Corinthians, I'm teaching on the miracle of walking in love. If we walk in love, we'll be better off for it. Our fellow man will be better off for it. We'll be acting most like God because it says in the, in, in the word that God is love, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. First 1 John 4, 7, and 8. God is love. Everybody say God is love. And we'll, go, we'll, we'll break down the essential meaning of the God kind of love. But it says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, the New American Standard 1995 updated edition, it says to pursue love, pursue love. There are a lot of pursuits. There are a lot of interests. There are a lot of passions. There are a lot of focuses. A lot of things vying for our attention. But the, the Lord is saying to us, make this Something you cultivate for a whole lifetime. Make this a lifestyle. Make this a habit. Make this a a target. It says, pursue love and yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So God wants us to be prophetic. God wants us to have faith. God wants us to move mountains. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But we're to desire earnestly these things and pursue love. Everybody say pursue love. Well, there are two major indicators that are demarcations of the contrast of the fallen world and those who are in Christ and redeemed or in the church. And it says at the end of the age when the world system has fallen apart in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, something very, very uh, compelling. It says... In Matthew 24, 12, because lawlessness is increased, many people's love will grow cold. This is a marker of the era at the, at the end of the age. This is what the world is going to look like, like the days of Noah. It's going to be, because lawlessness has increased, boundaries have kind of retreated. It's going to become a thing where people's love is going to grow cold. And it will be, there will be a lot less empathy, a lot more hostility and volatility. On the other hand, by contrast, concerning the kingdom of God and the church, John chapter 13, verse 35, tells us as believers where we're to go with this, where we're to live, how, what we're to target, where to pursue love. It says, "...by this all men will know that you are my disciples." Now a disciple is someone enrolled as a student, a follower of Jesus, somebody that is disciplined toward him. And this is how people are gonna know that we're his disciples, like St. Louis Family Church. Not the jump program that we do because we haven't been able to do it for two years. Not uh, the particulars of our programs, they'll know we're his disciples, but the, the chief, foundational, fundamental indicator that God is really speaking to us right now. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Say say this with me, just the way I'm saying it. You ready? I am the love doctor. (laughs) And we are to be ruled and governed by love. I said to you that in Galatians 5, 6, Faith works through love. Paul said neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Now that meant everything in the days of Abraham and the covenant. That meant everything in the contrast between when David confronted Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt and mock the armies of the living God? Circumcision was an indication of covenant with a covenant-keeping God and a covenant people where there was their marker. It was a major deal. Now, Paul, the apostle, who, by, himself, by the way, was Jewish, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Benjamite, uh, he said, now in this new era, circumcision and uncircumcision are no longer the indicators, but uh, faith working through love. So the indicator of the world that is in the end of the age, because lawlessness is increased, many people's love will grow cold. So if you want to know, Our secret to evangelism, our secret um, methodology for going forward into 2022, it's right here. And it's really no secret. And it's nothing novel or faddish or flashy or new. This is something that the Lord wants to stimulate in us on on an interesting and new dimension. Because lawlessness has increased, many people's love has grown cold. But by contrast, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, when you have love for one another. Yeah. My daughter Addison, who is not, uh, she's withholding the information about the gender of her baby right now, um, and that, which I don't think is very loving Do you. Anyway, <laughs> she said she heard uh, uh, an interview uh, from the actor Jeff Bridges, who's, by the way, been battling cancer, and I'm sure if you, you're a fan of his, you prayed for him. I grew up in San Diego, and, that, you know, I watched Sea uh, Hunt with his dad. His dad, I go way back, I remember his dad, remember that? And his mom and dad were actors, but they, they were married for a long, long time the same, to, to each other. Well, Jeff Bridges has been married over 40 years, and he was, he's been in, uh, talking uh, about, when he gets interviewed, about how, man, I wish people knew, just stick it out and stay with it. It just gets sweeter and better. I love my wife so much, right? And... Um, I think the same ought to be said of our Christian walk. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a joy between my Lord and I. You know? I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. And um, I think probably Jeff Bridges, who did, you know, depicted all the different kinds of films and all the particulars, You know, the, the provocative and all the kind of unsavory things, At the end of the day, it's kind of great to see a guy who goes home and wants to just maintain his relationship with his wife and develop and cultivate his household. And I think God wants to maintain a relationship with his people, and he wants to cultivate this condition as the core of his household. He wants us to be ruled and governed by this attitude of love, which is value, which is appreciation, which is respect, which is I'll, can, I'll even love my enemies because you're somebody for whom Jesus died. I'll love people that think totally differently from me, that don't even have my same conclusions because the Bible requires that I do so. And because I want to move in, the, in faith and faith works through love, since it works through love, I can't, it's a non-negotiable. I can't get around it. I've got to commit my heart to walk in love. I saw an interview, a Christian uh, program, and they put a man on the street and they were asking people, What do you want to change about yourself? And one person honestly said, I just think I've been a little bit mean to people. I, don't want, I want to be less mean to people. And, and, and I thought, Yeah, you probably should really deal with that, you know? And I thought, <laughs> She was honest, you know? Praise God for that. I think that's the key to progress. But I want to pray a prayer. I want to pray a prayer out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And um, we're going to pray this in faith. So would you do me a favor and stand up with me just for a minute and let's make this a prayer together. Let's pray this sincerely in faith. Paul prayed this for the Philippian church, and I want you guys to, I want you to lift up your hands. And this I pray that my love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that I may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, say this loud now, to the glory and praise of God. Amen? Hallelujah. You may be seated. You know, Paul said this in Thessalonians. He said, you guys concerning love, I have no need to teach you because you're already practicing it. But he said, excel still more. He said it two times in chapter four. And uh, I I feel like we need to put pedal to the metal on this in light of how irritated and harsh the environment has become. We are in our finest hour as believers Because this is a force that God actually puts in our lives. It's the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 it says, Hope does not disappoint. Listen to this. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us, the Holy Spirit is the instigator. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He said he would pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. The Holy Spirit, by the way, is the third person of the Trinity. He's the most under, misunderstood, but man, the one we we need to really yield to because he's our teacher. He'll guide us into the truth. He'll take from Jesus and reveal to us. And God and and he doesn't. God doesn't want us just to you know, sort of put on some sort of emulation. He wants us to emanate something that he's put on the inside of our hearts. Now, listen, God is love. God is love. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. I quoted it, but I think we should look at it. Beloved. Beloved. That's a term of endearment. That means we be loved. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Then it goes down into verse 7 and it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Where does love come from? Yeah. And everyone who loves is born of God. Remember what I said? The fruit of the recreated human spirit is love and knows God. I remember a story in People magazine back when we were younger. And um, it was amazing. Sitting on a couch, the photography uh, was um, an African-American woman uh, sitting next to a heavily tattooed, young, white, skinny white guy. And the whole story was this ex-grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan was being discipled by this woman. And they were smiling. He had had a bad past, embraced racism. These two would not have been on the same couch were it not for the love of God. And I'm telling you, the story was amazing given that it was put in People magazine. And I believe the Lord Jesus is going to bring these things up into pop, popular culture again and again and again. I'm not preaching in a bubble. We're the church, but it's without walls. And if there are walls, we should tear them down and build bridges. And, and he, by my God, we can run through a troop and leap over a wall. And uh, we are not uh, in a fortress mentality. We're not in a privatizing mentality. We're not in an evacuation or escapist theology. We are called to be a forward presence of the kingdom of God. And we get to be in a moment where, because lawlessness has increased, many people's love has grown cold. And we get to walk in love. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Apparently, the former grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan and the African-American lady had an encounter with God to the point where they could build bridges and tear down walls and connect. Hallelujah. This should happen in the church with love and harmony in the body of Christ like never before, because that's how they're going to know we're his disciples. And I prophesy to you, the Lord's going to have us, he's arranging for us to connect and work with people that are out of our, uh, our stream, so, so to speak, and there's going to be uh, a significant activation and deployment of a breed of people that value one another that love each other, that appreciate respect and honor. Man, honor is something that I think Jeff Bridges, the actor, was given to his wife. And it might be in the context of his cancer battle that it's accentuated, you know, man, you're standing by me through this. You know, I remember when Randy Travis had a stroke and, um, you know, Mary has been standing by him through it and she's something special. Uh, the way she's done that. She didn't abandon him at that point. Um, I've watched uh, people exhibit honor. I've got your back. Say out loud, I've got your back. See, your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And this is glorious. The love walk is a big deal. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, that if we have faith to move mountains, but we don't have love, we're nothing. If we, if we give all our stuff and give our body to be burned, but we don't have love, it doesn't count for anything. You know, if we, if we have, you know, uh, uh, the ability to prophesy and see the future and we don't have love, it, it's, it just doesn't count. But, but so, on the other hand, how many of you want things to really count? You don't wanna blow your witness. You don't wanna forfeit your momentum. Who's been at it for a while? You just at this point you you wanna you wanna make sure your your chassis is well oiled and your motors purring and you're you're going you're going the distance. Well, the Bible says love suffers long. Love is patient, it says in first 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. And that's the Greek word is makrothumeo, and it means long-spirited. Love is playing the long game. Love is in it for the long haul. Love is not abbreviated. Love is full-on long haul. And love will get you through every trial, every challenge, when you know how deeply loved you are by God. In fact, the Bible exhorts that we be Rooted and grounded in love. The devil specializes. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll antagonize you about your salvation. He'll antagonize you about your faith. He'll lie to you about just about everything he can, identity-wise, because he's the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses us before God day and night. Look at what he tried to do to Job. He won, but man, the devil, it's a, yeah, it epitomizes his behavior. He's a hater. There's no redemption in him. He's not repentant. There's no hope for the devil. He is evil personified. He's evil, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What I'm preaching is so critical that we've got to re-up on this every millisecond of every day of our lives and just continue to stay in the love walk and refuse to step out of the love walk. Remember, I remind you, God is love, and number two, we are made in his image. We are made in his likeness. Genesis 1, 26 through 27, said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He gave us responsibility to rule over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, the, uh, the cattle on the land, everything that creeps on the earth. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Look what he says. God blessed them. You want to know the first thing God did to humanity? The first thing God did after he created humanity, what did he do? He blessed them. Everybody say, God bless you. God bless you. you. He makes his face shine upon us. His arm is not too short that he cannot save in the time of need. We were singing about how God helped us through things. And I felt you up your game when you were worshiping because you were remembering. I remember when God brought me through that. I remember when God brought me through this. That God is our God, and he needs to be we need to inform the hard, cold, shallow, lost, empty, miserable world about how great and big and mighty and awesome our God is. And we ought to do it with a good face. I was at the airport and I was, I was like leaned up against a wall, and I was apparently scowling. I had bummer, resting face, and my daughter, Chelsea said, "Dad, smile. Your face is terrible advertising." Our kids can really say it and uh the bible says actually that's scriptural a merry heart makes a cheerful face and um god doesn't want us to artificially plaster something on our face the good news is that the love of god romans 5 5 is shed abroad in our hearts poured out through the holy spirit that he's in there he's a glad spirit he's god's spirit and uh He rejoices over us. God rejoices over us with singing. You know, when we were rejoicing and singing, he rejoices over us with singing. Uh, You know, my Bible shows me that he looks forward to it, that he inhabits it. Psalm says he is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. For the church, he inhabits the praises of his people, and he inhabits the people of praise. Well, um, in this dog-eat-dog world, You know, here's the contrast. I believe in a creator who created us rather than uh, we've evolved from uh, an accident. If I were to believe in the worldview that we've evolved from an accident, then I would embrace the dog-eat-dog survival of the fittest and then I would would be functioning totally different than what this book admonishes me toward. The Bible admonishes me because I'm created in God's image and he insists upon me that I walk as I've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so I need to walk in him, then it leads me to the next point, number three. Since God is love and since he made us in his image, we are then to be imitators of him. So let's go to Ephesians chapter four and let's read what Paul wrote concerning this. Ephesians four, verse uh, one and two. It says, I'm sorry, five, one and two. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You ought to get your concordance. If you have a computer program with it, like Strong's, punch in the word compassion that's a synonym for love. Jesus was moved with compassion. It says in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 that we are to be let the love of Christ constrain or control us. So much lack of self-control in the world. And you may have been raised poorly. Some of you may be you know in the Marines for 30 years, super disciplined. That's cool. But in case you were raised in a VW van down by the river, and there's not a lot of discipline. The good news is when you get saved, God levels out the playing field and downloads the ability to walk in the Spirit and walk in self-control. Everybody say self-control. self-control. And uh, so, God wants us to be decisional. I, here's what I so appreciate about love. It, it's decisional over emotional. We all love the emotive feelings. Like, when I found out what the gender is of the baby, I got emotional. And uh, you know, somebody gives you a gift and it's like, wow, it just does an endorphin thing in you. and There's an emotion and a physicality to it. But, but God's called us to both, but really it has to be preceded by something. And that something is, you know, God loved me. I wanted to start with John 3.16, but I thought, You've heard it so much, you're so conditioned, it might not have impacted you like it will at this point in the message. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I remember when I was lost, wandering through the orange groves in Southern California as a 16-year-old, just absolutely full of fear. And I, I noticed this when I was looking up the Greek words for love. There's, there are four Greek words. Three of them are in the Bible Phileo, Storge, and Eros, er, uh, and Agape. Eros is not in the Bible. That's the uh, love between a husband and wife, the intimate love, sexual. The other three, though, Storge, Phileo, and Agape. Phileo is the opposite of the Greek word phobia. Phileo and, aga- and phobia are, are polar opposites. So love is actually the opposite of fear. And a lot of people, the reason uh, they're not walking in love is because they're being guarded and they're insulated and they're, you know, uh, it, they've entered into the dog-eat-dog dog survival of the fittest thing. I've watched people, when they asked one man, they said, are, do, you, are, do you have morals? And he, went, he laughed and he said, occasionally I'm amoral. And I thought, well, his worldview is he doesn't believe in God. He's an atheist. He, so therefore, he doesn't have anyone to answer to. Creates a whole complex bunch of problems going forward. And I just watched him. I've been praying for him. He's really, really old. He has a very uh, disturbing agenda for his life. He's just a, a life it's that it's survival of the spit, fittest. And, and you, know, you don't have to be accountable to anybody afterwards. It's just the end. It's eternal oblivion. So why not just... Uh, for sport, turn humanity into a, uh, a uh, you know, bunch of gladiatorship and just put your thumb down and see how much, you can, how much detriment you could cause to the world. Can you imagine that's your ambition, to be a hater and then you die? Actually, a lot of people have that. But the Spirit of God is saying something entirely different. And we must not allow the seepage of those concepts to in any way alight upon our decisions. Jesus wants us to be imitators of him as beloved children and walk in love. Walk in love sounds sweet, sounds cute, sounds a bit flowery. I'm going to walk in love. How's your love walk? What it really means is when it says your walk means your life, your habits, your approach, that what your, your central core uh, uh, values, You know that which, that which drives you is like, Okay, God is love. Everyone that uh, is born of God knows God and loves God. He that does not love does not know God, because God is love. So this is how the whole world's going to know that we're onto something. We're connected with someone. Things are different now. Our we're not just our religious biases or our philosophies or our conclusions uh, uh, for the weekend, but a whole life. Of view, were changed. And and that's, again, that reference to that People magazine, how powerful I felt it was that that woman was discipling that man and that only Jesus could turn something like that into something like that. Only Jesus. Everybody say, "Only only Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Didn't I read to you Galatians 5, 6, that faith works through love? And that says in Romans chapter 8, without faith it's impossible to please him. So uh, let's go to Mark chapter, famous Mark chapter 11. We're going to read four points out of Mark 11, 22 through 25. Heavy emphasis on verse 25. I didn't read them. I thought them. Mark eleven twenty two, it says, Jesus answered Peter and the others and said, have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith in God. Faith, in God. faith is substantial. The, the Greek word for faith is hypostasis. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance. And um, right now I'm standing on the altar here. And it's substantial. It's built to support me. It's built to support a grand piano. It would be built to support 300 people up here doing a production. Uh, We built it so it could be substantial. It's not flimsy. And I'm telling you, faith in God is substantial. When you trust him, when you rely on him, when you dwell with him and you give your life to him, it, it, it causes a beautiful thing to happen in your life. Who can say amen to this? Amen. I mean, do you guys remember when you were just religious or irreligious or you were lost and it was you were clueless concerning this? You couldn't relate to it. You thought that was for religious people. You didn't want to be in a cult. You didn't want to become emotional, become a fanatic. So you saw that it was all... Di- and then you get, then something happened and you submitted to the Lord I got to lead a clerk to the Lord at a store a few days ago. And it was wonderful. I asked this person, I said, have you ever asked Jesus Christ into your life? No, I have not. So I said, okay, pray, pray with me. And then as soon as we finished, I felt that. Well, I didn't feel anything. But this person felt something. And uh, I thought, you know, you know why I didn't feel it? Because I'm used to it. When I did Dritan and Ina's wedding in Kosovo, there was a man sitting in the front row from a you know Muslim background, uh, highly educated. The the um, what, what was his role? Ed? He was uh, like a school uh, superintendent. Remember that man? And so we had this wedding in Kosovo. See, it's 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 an Eastern block. You know, it's it's right next to Albania, and they've had 70 years of communism and socialism. So their deal is. You go to the civic uh, institution and the judge or whoever is there, they fill out all the paperwork and the, the formality and they, they, they make a legal contract for marriage and then they go have a party till three o'clock in the morning and they dance. And a, a really funny dance. I think I can do it, but I can't. There was an old man that was dancing. I thought I could do that. And I tried to get near him, I kept, I almost fell over. He, he danced all night. He was like 300 years old. Kosovars know how to party. But Driton visited Albania and he saw Ina at the uh, communion table at church and he caught eyes with her. That's sweet, isn't it? Isn't that like Rachel at the, at the, the, the well? And, uh, you know, they're a bunch of born-again people from a Muslim background. So he sees her, he falls in love. He says, Pastor Jeff, I want to have a, a Christian wedding. We, you know, no one, he said, no one has ever seen one. So, so I said, okay, so I came in and I, I said, you know, I said greeting and prayer. Uh, you know, we're gathered together to you know celebrate this union, and, and I shared some scriptures. and Ina starts crying when we did the uh, the vows, you know, and I thought and she was just weeping, and and Dritan was interpreting for me, and uh, so you know I was having her say, I devote my life to you, and he says you know, and so I thought that, that had to be dynamic, you know, he's saying you know he's saying to you to do this and you must do this now, you know, so I was it was fun. But she had tears. Well, then the man said, I have never felt anything like this in my life. And, and I thought, wow, that's cool. He, he got touched by the Holy Spirit. Well, I was telling a pastor friend, I was out of town a couple of weeks ago, and I told him, and, he, and I said, you know, actually, it just felt, to me, it just felt like a, 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 a typical wedding. And he said, that's because you're used to it. I thought, wow. That same thing happened with this person I led to the Lord three or four days ago. Said, I felt that. Everybody say, I felt that. See, Jesus is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus was moved with compassion. He wants us in the King James, it says to have bowels of compassion, meaning it comes out of your guts. You just mean it. You mean it in life. Beloved, it says, uh, as, as dearly beloved children, be imitators of him and walk in love. This is so strategic, what I'm preaching to you right now, that actually... This is the stimulus for the miraculous. This is a key ingredient. This is a key ingredient. And the devil has been working the last couple of years to try to knock you and me and us and we off our spiritual feet and get us in bitterness, get us caught up in trivialities, even important things that so we have great, deep principles about it and have reached deep conclusions over after much conversation, thought and study. And nevertheless, this is a non-negotiable. In spite of all our upsets, in spite of all the legitimacies of our conclusions, this has to be the big deal of the big deals. Yes, right? Yes. And that the love walk is a, a, the atmosphere where the God stuff really flourishes. How many of you want to see more people saved? How many of you want to see greater, more consistent breakthrough in your prayer life? Get ready for verse 25 here. Because it says, how many of you love mountains moving? Mountains are the looming things that are, you know, the the Bible writers, that was the biggest thing in their world. They saw a mountain that was like nothing's bigger than a mountain. So it's the most looming, oppressive thing, dark thing that tries to wear you down and block you and hinder you. And in fact, blockages are going to fall down tonight. Doors are going to open tonight. He's going to open a door for, that no man can shut. There's a key here I'm about ready to preach. He says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says or is saying shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says or it will be granted him. How many of you like the idea that you can, like Zechariah chapter 4, speak to your mountain with shouts of grace, grace, I mean, haven't we prayed for our kids, Ben and Kelly, Patsy and Jeff? Haven't we prayed for our kids, Virgil Nelson? Haven't we prayed for our kids? Haven't we prayed for our kids and believed God over them and spoke to the mountains and commanded them to be removed? And you're different now because of it. You're better off now because of it. How many of you love the idea that you can speak to your mountain and mountains can be moved? We watched the Berlin Wall come down. There are people from Hungary over here. There My brother lived on the East German border. We were there when it came down. We got to talk to the East German soldiers at a pivotal moment of history in 1989. Mountains move. The mountain of discouragement that came when the flood of 93 hit and the minstrel Ben Farrell singing praises. It Wasn't glib, it wasn't wasn't like, oh, I'll help you guys and pacify how bad. No, it was anointed. I'll never forget it, I'm honoring him today because of it, I'm grateful for it. I think it's significant they're here passing through, but I think it's a statement. You may feel like your life is engulfed, but He redeems your life from the pit. You may see things that are looming. They've been protracted, chronic, terrible, ugly, nasty battles. How many of you want to see them change and you're still in hope against hope, you believe? See, the older Abraham and Sarah got, the farther away from the covenant dividends, it just looked more and more bleak in the natural. And yet they trusted the Lord and Isaac was born. Praise God. We're going to see the salvation of the Lord. You hear me? How about prayer life being answered? Verse 23, we love this. Truly I say to you, wait, I'm sorry, 24. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. I've learned in prayer Don't just hastily bring things up and just throw things out. Find find scripture on it. Settle in on what the Lord's leading you to pray so you don't set yourself up for disappointment. And you're not glib. You're like, I'm going in this with seriousness. It's biblical. This is what I believe in God for. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm just going to get, I'm going to get, I'm not going to get like, oh, spooky, spiritual, I'm just going to get my heart in tune, right? Get my heart in tune. Listen to the Lord. Pray a little bit in the Spirit. Spend some time in the Word. Okay, now I'm going to bring this up before the Lord. But it's all predicated on what I'm about to read you in verse 25. It's a love walk verse. You ready? Therefore I say to you, all things for which... Oh, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to reread everything. Whenever you stand praying... What? Why did that slip in there, Lord Jesus? Lord Jesus, why did you put this in here? Was this in the original text, or did somebody add this later? Uh, I checked. It's in the original text. If you have anything against anyone, that's hard. That's hard. Well, but you don't know what they did to me, Pastor Jeff. Well, God knows and you know and it's real and I'm not going to make light of it. I'll, I'll not triv- I'm a pastor. I'm not going to trivialize anything anybody's going through. I'm not going to trivialize anything anybody's ever gone through. It's all important. It all matters. But the devil wants to make mountains out of molehills and he wants to hinder us. And so that's why Jesus laid this out here. Have faith in God. Speak to your mountains. Pray big prayers. Believe and receive. However, when you do... Walk in love. Forgive if you have anything against anyone. King James says, ought against any. Uh, I heard a lady say that she's going to teach a message on oughts and any's. <laughs> so that your faith, your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, faith works. And every time my prayers are hindered, every time my faith is not getting the results I want, this is where I end up having to go. This is what I end up having to evaluate. And I do that check up from the neck up. And I get rid of bitterness. I mean, it's clear, and I tried to read this in Ephesians chapter four. Let all bitterness, wrath, uh, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you. There's so much slander right now. So much anger right now. So much clamor right now. So much strife of tongues. I've been in the church for a long time. And the strife of tongues is crippling. And I'll tell you, in the church, I'd rather deal with a coven of genuine witches and witchcraft than Christians in rebellion. Because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it has cute lipstick and a Bible under its arm. I know what's coming when somebody's got a hood and they're going, and they got a pentagram and a goat head with blood hanging off of it. That's oh, you, okay, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. But when the believers are going, I love you. You know how much I love you, Pastor Jeff. You know, it's like, well, okay, as you're, you know. Um, I get it. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Ouch. Triple ouch. Be kind to one another. Think about what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 34. Look at this. This is amazing. This is amazing because God's really distinguishing a certain God kind of love that is very profound and is is really uh, exemplary and it's a focus in the church. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Hey, even sinners love those who love them, right? Yeah, you're easy to get along. You're in my bowling league. You've never been bad to me. If you do good to those who do good to you, man, you scratch my back. I'll scratch your back, bro. What credit is that to you for even sinners? Scratch the back and thou and thee. And then verse, But if you, and if you lend to those who, whom you expect to receive, Uh, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So then, but love your enemies. See, lines are being drawn. Don't you think there was a line between that that grand dragon of the KKK and the African American woman? Don't you think that accentuated, that lady had a history, she was older than him. Don't you think she went through some stuff and the disparity of racism through her life. It took something for her to be able to reach out a hand of love to that tattooed kid with a bunch of you know, Nazi stuff on him and hate. And I'm telling you, it was beautiful. It was Jesus in both of them, humbling themselves. Hallelujah. Amazing Grace was written by John Newton, who was a slave trader. He said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I'm found. Was blind, and now I see. Paul called himself the chief of sinners, the least of all the saints. But John Newton said, man, I think that's why it's abidingly, I mean, it's been sung over and over again. I was just listening to Pete Seeger and Arlo Guthrie sing Amazing Grace on Spotify two days ago. It's been sung by every, even people who don't, don't necessarily acknowledge Jesus. Judy Collins sang it. I mean, it's been sung over and over and over again. And it ought to be because it's such a wonderful ideal. But it's not just an ideal, because the love of God is actually shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So when a guy like an actor says, I've been married to my wife for over 40 years and I love her more than ever, he's exhorting society on a certain level, stay with it, stick with it. Uh, Jesus is saying, have faith in God, speak to your mountains, because they just saw him curse a fig tree in Jerusalem, and they go, hey, we want to see, hey, we want manifestations, these guys want to move in the power, don't, how many of you want to see the manifestations of the glory of God? I do, the Bible says pursue love, but desire earnestly spiritual gifts, nothing wrong with that, Not to be titillating, not to show off, not to be like spooky, mystical, and walk around. I'm a supernatural, man. Woo! No, it's so Jesus will get great glory and honor. People will get liberated. That's a reasoning for it. That's a purpose of it. So he's honored. People are helped, right? Yes, he gets all the glory. So we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. By whom we've been sealed for the day of redemption. So we don't want to let any unwholesome word proceed from our mouth. We want to zip our lip, bridle our tongue in order that we could glide our stride. And uh, But only such a word as is good for edification. Baptist preacher Gary Chapman was counseling a lot and he was journaling. He kept seeing reoccurring issues in his marriage counseling. And it occurred to him, and emerging from his notes, he saw there were really... Couples weren't speaking the same language to each other. They were were like ships in the night. The husband was working 75 hours a week, and then the the wife was saying, I don't feel loved by my husband. And he was saying, well, I'm loving you by how much hard I'm working to bring in the paycheck. And she just needed a little bit of of FaceTime and affirmation. You know, or he didn't feel loved because... They they were falling asleep at eight o'clock at night because all the kids and there wasn't that intimacy or whatever or that kind of thing. So Gary Chapman wrote down words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, uh, giving gifts or receiving gifts, and acts of service. And I thought this is one of the most genius outlines I've ever seen as a Christian. I'm so appreciative of that Baptist brother. And he's elderly now, but I just honor him that he got this. I, I, I'm signed where he got it. He got it from the Lord. He got it out on the rugged road of trying to help other people. And it puts us in touch with uh, the modeling of walking in love, like toward God, for example. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We come with words of affirmation. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Do you, Sense of presence of God, when we were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, those verses in Revelation blow my mind. When I read those, I get goosebumps. Thinking about these angels, and especially those creatures with eyes all around. That, that is flat-out sci-fi right there. It's actually biblical uh, fact. Physical touch, that can only happen in the church where we're connecting with each other. Uh, quality time, that means we've got to just have Let's, let's start our day, end our day. Spend time with the Lord. Yeah. Shut off the devices, phones and TVs and stuff. Just, spend a, just carve out five or 10 or 15 minutes with the Lord. Yeah. Giving and receiving. God loves it, a cheerful giver and acts of service. Well, we're going to walk in love. Yeah. We're going to be patient. Yeah. We're going to be kind. Yeah. In fact, let's do this before we go. Did I, did I, did I, let's all stand up on our feet. We're going to do this. This is going to be so good. Where did I put that now, that paper I just had? There it is. All right. Get up on your feet. Let's make this personal. First of all, like I said to the clerk at the store, if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, do it now. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You guys online? No doubt about it. It was God's perfect will that you tuned in with me. And in case you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or you've fallen away from Him, you can find your way back to Him right now by just acknowledging and confessing your sin, receiving His love, acknowledging what He did on the cross 2,000 years ago for you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, You confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Say, God raised Jesus from the dead. Bible says this, you shall be saved. Saved from hell, saved from the consequences of sin, saved unto God to walk in newness of life. Uh, For with the heart man believes and the result is righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, and the result is salvation. How many of you love results? You wanna see mountains moved. You wanna see society change. You wanna see America saved. You wanna see gas prices go down, the economy come back up. You wanna see the boats bring in your Christmas gifts for your kids, all that stuff. You wanna see stupid diseases lift off the humanity rather than more of them being synthesized and loose back on them, right? You wanna see God do a great work Thank God for the fact that no plague shall come near your dwelling. But in order, you know, the way we get Satan proof is by maintaining the love walk. So say this with me. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Say this with me. I endure long and I am patient and kind. I am never envious, nor do I boil over with jealousy. I am not boastful, arrogant, or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, nor inflated with pride. I am not rude. I do not not act ugly. God's love in me does not insist on its own rights or its own way. I am not self-seeking. I am not touchy or fretful or resentful. I didn't hear you. I am not touchy or fretful or resentful. We all kind of trailed off on one of those. I take no account of the evil done to me. In other words, zero resentment. I do not rejoice in injustice or unrighteousness. But I rejoice with right, and tr- when right and truth prevail, God's love in me bears up under anything and everything that comes. I am ready to believe the best of every person. God's love in me is fadeless under all circumstances. God's love in me endures everything without weak, weakening or failing god's love in me never comes to an end never fails never runs dry never runs out therefore i will never fail when i walk in love amen hallelujah